Good morning. I need some help. I'm looking for somebody with experience in stage lighting. I'm not talking about the technical experience. We have Roman Gaines, an electrical engineer in our church who takes care of the technical stuff. What I need is somebody who knows how to make this nicer up here with lights, like the colors and stuff. I remember we put, started putting lenses up in there years ago. Remember this, Don? Don Pierce stood over there and he was red. So we're pretty sure we don't know how to do it, but I just need somebody. If you're a person here who says, oh, I used to do that in high school or whatever, I know how to do that, come see me. There you go. Uh, doesn't pay anything. <laughs> Should have told you that after you came and saw me, probably. <laughs> Question for you, have you ever been thrown into a seemingly impossible situation? <laughs> just felt like something you couldn't just get out of, couldn't reconcile. Our scripture today immediately presents us with a looming and difficult question. Jesus said, do not give dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under their feet and then turn and tear you to pieces. That's what he said. As we move through the Sermon on the Mount here, this is where we are. Now, the question, the looming question is, what did he just say last week? He said, do not judge, or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you too will be judged. He said, don't judge. And then he says, what? Watch this business of trying to get the speck out of your brother's eye when you've got a plank, right? And after all that, after taking all that time to say, don't judge... Now he says, don't cast your pearls before dogs and pigs. And the looming question is, if we, don't, if we can't judge, how are we supposed to know who the dogs and the pigs are? Right? I mean, they must be there. And we're not supposed to cast our pearls before them, whatever that means. I feel like we're... We're in a tough spot here. This is the next thing that he said. So today we invite the Holy Spirit to come to enliven his word and to reveal to us this truth about pigs and pearls. Lord, we do invite your presence. You said these things and you meant something by these things. The tone of it seems important told us not to judge, he told us not to cast pearls before pigs. How do we do this except that you would come by the power of your Holy Spirit and explain it to us? So we invite you, Lord, to come, and you know what I've prepared, and if that's what you want to use, then I'll say those words, but if you have something else, something better, something even unrelated, Lord, you know I just hold this stuff with a loose hand, and it's this is your time with your people to say what you want. And so guide us into places of truth and greater understanding of your word and greater measures of your Holy Spirit living alive in us so that we can walk this out in power and grace and love and authority. In Jesus' name, amen. 
So we have this apparent contradiction in the Scripture. Jesus says, don't judge and then don't cast your pearls before some group of people or a couple of groups of people who would cause you to make a judgment. And I think the problem is settled in part when we, when we see that this verse is an answer to a question that we started to creep up on last week. And that is, is there ever a time when discernment of a situation looks like a judgment, approaches a judgment? And the answer is yes. It looks like it, but it isn't. And uh, I think it would be good for us just to, first of all, revisit our definitions of judgment that we, that we took some trouble to make last week, just to get, this, get, our, get our heads around this. And first of all, let's remember that uh, when Jesus told us not to judge, he was telling us not to do a couple of things. One is that we do not have the authority or the business to make a determination about the authenticity of someone's salvation. We can't decide if somebody's saved or not, no matter what they say. So if a person says, I'm trusting in Christ as my Savior, then we don't have any business deciding whether that's true or not true. We can't make a judgment about that. Only God can judge the authenticity of that. So if we know somebody who says, yeah, I'm a Christian, and we see aspects of their life that is so outside of what the Bible says a Christian ought to be doing, we, we don't have the place to stand in order to say, oh, I'm sorry, you're not a Christian because of those things. Because as we saw last week, um, since all of us have sinned, then none of us have a place to stand to make that judgment no matter what the sins are. Because the Bible says that if we break the law, did you get to this part? If we break the law in one point, we've broken the whole law. So I think we'd all agree that each of us has broken the law at some point, right? Then we've done everything. So we're no better or worse than anybody else. And so since Jesus is the only one who was perfectly righteous, who, who lived in the center of that target I showed you last week, He's the only one that can make the true judgment about a person's salvation. So if a person says, I'm a Christian, and you say, yeah, but if you know you're not because, you're judging them. And you also can't judge if a person is a Christian by what they say. You can't judge that. That's between them and God. So that's, that's an aspect of judgment that Jesus says, don't do that. Only God has the place of judgment. And, and the other aspect of judgment we looked at last week is we don't have the right or the vantage point to um, determine the value of someone. So we look at somebody and they got all this bad stuff going on in their life and we say that they're of less value than somebody who apparently doesn't have the bad stuff going on in their life. And in reality... We don't know everything about either person, do we? And uh, in reality, since every single one of us has sinned, we don't have a seat to sit on to make that assessment because we're just like them. And so those are the two aspects of judgment that I think Jesus was talking about, deciding, taking it upon ourselves to decide if somebody's saved or not, taking it upon ourselves to determine somebody's value, essential value before God. So... We have to first agree, before we get into this thinking about dogs and pigs, as Jesus spoke of, we have to first agree that uh, 
In terms of dogs and pigs, neither of these things, the judgment or the assignment of value, will be on the table for us to do. Okay? We can't do that, no matter who they are. We, we can't do that with anybody, no matter what. It's not our place to do. Okay? So yeah, I'll start again. Okay. Well, they say, what about the dogs and pigs? Bring it. All right. Well, I think in order to understand... That's lovely. In order to understand this, uh, what Jesus was meaning for us, I think we need to first visit my favorite part of Bible study. What is it? Context. Context. I love studying the context of a passage. And, and what that is, is, is it's the bigger picture around it. Um, the things that would have been going on in the minds of Jesus' hearers when he, heard the, when he said those words. Because we have to trouble ourselves to get that if we're going to have a hope of accurately carrying it through 20 centuries of cultural evolution to this point, right? And you get to have a hope of understanding what it means today. And so we're going to do some cultural, some contextual study about dogs and pigs. You need to know a few things. First of all, dogs, when Jesus said dogs, dogs were not the beloved pets of today. This was 2,000 years ago. Dogs were not the beloved pets of today. And I know when you say dog, you think a little sparky or whatever. He's so nice, and you're thinking about him right now. He's all curled up wondering when you're going to come home, right? And our culture has elevated dogs to some ridiculous level that I think even embarrasses them sometimes, you know? <laughs> I mean, we have a dog. We have the dog pilot. He's a great dog, and, and he has house privileges. But he knows that he lives on a very fine line. So he crosses that line, he's out. It's real simple. Why? Because he's a dog. For crying out loud, he's a dog. He's a dog, and he doesn't eat people food because he's a dog. And he doesn't sit by the table while we eat going, because he's a, he's a dog. And some of you people and your dogs make me want to puke. What is it with you and your dogs? Are you serious? Another thing about Pilot, our dog, is he doesn't lick the face. There is something really sick about you people, and you get home and go, oh, me, 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 oh, jeez. And some of you, you open your mouth, and yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, it's a dog. For You are sick. You need help. Come on, people. The only time a dog licking a person is right is if it's like a three-year-old and he's surrounded by puppies and they're all, oh, now that's cute, but you're not. You're sick. You let your dog lick your face and then you come here and you hug me. And it's like, oh. you know, after every church, I just stand in the shower for like 20 minutes and... When Jesus said dogs, he wasn't talking about Sparky. He wasn't talking about Pilate. Because dogs were typically dangerous, half-wild scavengers. They roamed from village to village, finding what they could eat. Dogs were known to growl at you either way. If you threw them food, they growled at you because they wanted more. If you didn't throw them food, they growled at you because you had food. They were dangerous. I remember my first trip to India and walking through the streets of Bangalore, a city of 7 million people. 
trash piles on the corners. And you've got people digging through the trash piles looking for some food, and there's dogs digging through the trash piles and cows digging through the trash piles. And walking through there, and you know, of course, I'm the prayer walker guy, so I'm going to go walk or pray. And you're walking along, oh man, your whole head explodes just with the whole cultural reality you face. And I remember walking down this one little narrow road in, in the city, I mean, street, houses everywhere, and this pack of dogs was coming toward me. And you know, you don't go, hey, here, here, boy. <laughs> you just don't do that. And you turn around, walk away, or you step aside and you let them go. And that's, when Jesus was talking about dogs, that's who he's talking about, culturally, putting it in context. And the other thing you should know about the word dog is that the, the term dog was often used by Jews to refer to Gentiles. So if you're new to the Bible, both Old and New Testaments, you have two groups of people. You have the Jews, who are the chosen people of God, and then everybody else, no matter where they were from, no matter their ethnicity, their race, everybody else was a Gentile. You have Jews and Gentiles. And they would refer to Gentiles as dogs. Dogs. As dogs. And uh, the Bible says that Jesus came to save the house of Israel. He came. But it says in John chapter 1, it says, He came to his own, meaning the Jews, but his own did not receive him. It says then in the next verse, but to all who received him, this is the good news for Gentiles, but to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become the sons and daughters of God. You see, as, as a Jew by heritage, you're born into the sonship. As Gentiles, we come in by faith in Jesus Christ. And so we dogs found a way in, didn't we? Jesus made a way in for us through his shed blood on the cross. So this, was this, this is the dog term. Pigs were non-kosher and considered unclean. You may understand already that throughout the Old Testament there are clear, it's clear direction about what kind of food you can eat, what kind you can't. Food that was uh, considered clean was on a list that God had given through Moses. And there were regulations not only about what it was, but how it was to be slaughtered, how it was to be prepared in order for it to remain clean or kosher. And pigs were the exact opposite of everything clean and kosher. And so pigs represented everything unclean and hostile to God. In that day, as Jesus was speaking and using a spiritual metaphor, people would have understood that when he said dogs, and when he said pigs, that he meant these things. And this is what it would have been in their minds. So you have to take that into consideration before you can come now to 2014 and figure out who the dogs and the pigs are, right? Because the, the word is still true. We just have to figure out who the dogs and the pigs are that we're not supposed to be throwing pearls in front of, right? Because we want to be faithful to everything in the Bible. So what does this mean for today? Who are these potential dogs and pigs Jesus warns us about? The dogs of today are those people in our world who are half-wild spiritual scavengers whose agenda is to compromise and syncretize the clear truth of Scripture to accommodate and advance their own perspective. 
Say, what? A couple of big words in there, huh? The dogs. Let's break it down. Are people in our world who are half-wild spiritual scavengers. You know people who come to you and they, they know you're a Christian or it comes up in conversation, you begin to discuss it, and they have this sort of wider point of view about things, and they're sort of scavengers, how they say, well, I can see how you see that, but the Buddha said this, and the Dalai Lama said that, and do you know this person? And they just begin to sort of collect spiritual maxims from the world and try to integrate it all into one thing, try to accommodate. They're sort of scavengers, and they'll sort of pick at what you're saying. Oh, yeah, but... But, but, there's always a but. You can recognize the dog by the big but. There's always a but. That was fun. And their agenda is to compromise the truth. Whether they know it or not, whether they're purposeful in it or not, they're trying to accommodate everything, right? Right? They're trying to accommodate and bring everything under one umbrella and make it true because they want it to be true. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus said that. And you cannot accommodate Islam with that. And you cannot accommodate Buddhism or Hinduism with that. You cannot accommodate that. You can't suck them all in and say, well, as long as they're sincere, they're going to heaven. They're sincerely wrong. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. It was a take-it-or-leave-it offer when God sent His Son Jesus to the earth. You might not like that. I'm not sure I like it. But it's true. And scavengers kind of go around going, you need to think about it this way. You need to think about it this way. You need to be more open-minded. And they sort of make you feel narrow-minded. You're not narrow-minded when you're focusing on the truth. Come on. And the other word is to syncretize the clear truth of Scripture. Syncretize means to try to accommodate everything, try to bring everything in, just as I said, to kind of make an amalgamation of everything. Let's just mix it all together and call it truth. When you mix the other stuff in, it ceases to be truth. You can't say, I like this part of the Bible, so I think those things are true. For God so loved the world that he gave us one and only. I like that, don't you? That's got to be true, right? But what about the other parts? Our lives don't accommodate that comfortably. We say that's not true. When we say that's not true, we compromise the truth of salvation. So those are the dogs. I think the pigs of today are those people we encounter who are gospel hostile and whose purpose it is to oppose your witness, intimidate you to keep you from bringing the gospel to those in your world who are waiting to hear it. You know this person? That when the subject comes up at work, they're digging in, their weapons are drawn, they are there to intimidate you, to humiliate you, And they're God hostile, for whatever reason. You don't know the reason. I don't even judge the reason. They just are. And uh, their purpose is to shut you down, to intimidate you. In the natural simplicity of your childlike nature as a child of God, 
and they have questions for you that are complex questions, and they try to intimidate you because you don't know the answer. I've been in love with Karen for a long time, and I still don't understand her any better today than I did the day I met her in the 10th grade. You could ask me questions. I don't know why she is. I don't know. I don't know. Well, I thought you loved her. Oh, I do, but you shouldn't. I don't know. I just don't know. I, I don't understand her. I don't expect to understand her, but I love her, and she loves me. And that's the power of the relationship with Jesus. You love him, and he loves you. Sure, you can approach all the difficult questions, but don't let the pigs of the world shut you down with questions that you can't seem to answer at the moment. I don't know. I just love him. I just love him. And these pigs are after you. Now, if you think about these kinds of people, and you may even be bringing people to mind, don't judge them. What do we mean? Don't think about their salvation. That's not yours to judge, right? Even the dogs who say, well, I'm a Christian, and a Buddhist, and a Hindu, I'm covering all my bases. Don't judge them. That's not yours to judge. And don't consider their value. It doesn't change the fact that they're a dog or a pig. In fact, you have only one thing to do, and that's to love them, right? Because Jesus loved the dogs and the pigs, he just told us not to do something, which was to cast our pearls before them, and we'll get to that in just a second, okay? Starting to get interested in what that might mean? Okay. So I'd like for you to notice how quickly Jesus could discern between dogs and pigs and the rest. I think the best example I can think of is the woman caught in the act of adultery. Do you know this story? So there are these guys who were out to get Jesus because they were all religious and they were threatened by his freedom and his liberty. Boy, does that sound familiar or what? This loving hippie guy coming into our world and man, he probably parked in the handicap zone, you know, whatever he wanted to do. He just did, just broke all the rules. Here he comes and these guys, these Pharisees are always trying to get him. That's a good plan. Let's see if we can take down the Son of God. Let's try that. You think after a dozen failed efforts, they would go, maybe there is something to this guy, but just made them all the more. And so they found this woman reportedly caught in the act of adultery, like that never happened. And they grabbed this woman and they drug her to Jesus, these guys, these Pharisees, these self-righteous guys, and they threw her down. And they said, Jesus, this woman was caught in adultery. The law of Moses says that she should be stoned. Because she's a whore. What do you think we should do? Ah, that's a good question, fellas. He's writing in the sand. I would love to know what he was writing. Says he's just down, just writing in the sand. That's a really good question. You're right. The law of Moses does say that. I suppose we should do that. I'd like one of you to get us started. Like the one of you who has no sin in his life to go ahead and throw the first stone. Get us started. Go ahead. Get it. Somebody. Surely somebody here could get us started. <laughs> I'll tell you what. We were kind of at a neat spot there, too, weren't we? I mean, it's not ADD, is it? I mean, that, this would happen to anybody, right? 
Wow. Just checking to make sure mine was off because I was sure Tom would call me right away if he knew. You know, I'll go ahead and get us started. One of you that doesn't have any sin, go ahead and get us started. It says that they just one by one, and he just left. So there wasn't anybody else there. And then Jesus looked at her and said, Woman, where are they that condemn you? Probably maybe for the first time she picked her head up. Looked around. Oh, Lord Jesus. I don't think Superman could preach here. Wow. Hey, everybody do me a favor, would you? Reach in your pocket and turn them off, okay? Before I go over to the dark side here. You won't stop me if one more phone rings. Where are they that condemn you? No man condemns me. No one. No one's left. And he said, neither do I condemn you. Then he said, now go and leave your life of sin. He did not condone her sin. He said, now go. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Now go. Leave your life of sin. What I find really interesting about that is that Jesus immediately discerned the pigs and the dogs from the one who had come for the pearl. And they thought they were coming so that she would receive a stone. But Jesus gave her a pearl. Jesus immediately discerned these guys, who they were, and he cut their throats. He cut their throats. And you might be going, how unloving was that? That was a teaching moment. Jesus should have let them stay so he could see, so that they could all see how he was going to forgive this woman. They were dogs and they were pigs. And Jesus said, these people, if you get the pearls out in front of them, they will turn on you. This is a hard teaching, isn't it? This is tough. Because we want to be so loving and we want to be so accommodating to everyone. This is tough. But it's what he said. I watched Pastor Stephen do this in India. My first trip, second trip, third trip, I remember going, we'd be going through crowded cities where there were beggars, lepers, on the street begging. And he would walk by them. I'd be like, I'm like reaching in my pocket for rupees. And he would walk, and they said, no, come. And we'd keep going, and then every once in a while, we'd just stop. Almost as if the sky opened up over this person, he would give them something. Bless them in the name of the Lord and go on. Discernment. He had a, I saw him do it a thousand times. A clear heart of discernment. A clear heart of discernment. And this is what's being called for here, is that there are these people in our lives who are dangerous to us. We love them. We don't judge them. But we don't show them the pearl. Can that person be saved? Absolutely. How many of you, like me, were a dog once? And a pig? 
Me too. Let God do that. Live our lives in faith out in front of them. And as God softens their hearts, then we can begin to share the gospel with them. How many of you have walked away from a situation where somebody was just really, really hostile toward God and you said, boy, I should have stood up for my faith, and you felt guilty about that? I know. Me too. Well, guess what? You were probably discerning not to get the pearl out in front of the pig. What? That's what the Bible says. Don't get the pearl out in front of the pigs. They'll turn on you. Sounds so unloving, I know. But let's think about what's going on here. The Lord has given you something. He's given you a pearl of great price. He's given you salvation. He's given you an understanding that He loves you. He's given you an understanding that in spite of all of your sin, He forgives you. He's given you an understanding that in His Father's house are many mansions, and He's gone there to prepare a place for you. He's, that's a great pearl, isn't it? And he's given you experience, hasn't he? Some of you are being stirred by God right now. You're feeling something inside. And there's just another layer on the pearl. And as you think about the experience that you've had with God over time, you just see that the pearl just grows and grows. The pearl gets bigger, just as it does inside of an oyster, right? It just gets bigger. Irritations of life even come along. And when you have faith, you just say, oh, yeah, I'm going to make that pearl a little bigger. And that pearl is yours. That pearl is between you and God. And you should cherish it. You should protect it. You don't have to get it out and show everybody. There are some parts of your walk with Jesus that are just for you. They're so intimate, aren't they? You know, when a husband and wife, they connect together in physical intimacy, that's just between them. That's an expression that is just meant for them. You don't get that pearl out and talk about it with other people. What about our walk with Jesus? There was some stuff that happened to me in our Tuesday night prayer meeting this past Tuesday night that unless you were in the room, you wouldn't believe it. And it's all part of the pearl. And I'm not telling you what it was. And you've had those experiences. There are some things that are given to you that only you can understand. The Bible says, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. But God has revealed it to us by his spirit, even the deep things of God, it says. And those things that happen in your life that are so personal, those revelations of God are part of the pearl. And it's yours. And you don't have to get it out everywhere and throw it in front of pigs and dogs. I know you don't like to think that there are pigs and dogs. They can be saved, and we must not judge them, and we must love them. But don't get your pearl out. You know, Jesus had this increasing concentric circles. He had the three, he had the twelve, and he had the seventy-two. And, and he was most intimate with the three. They went up on the Mount of Transfiguration with him, didn't they? That was a pearl. That was their pearl. I don't ever know of Jesus preaching about that to the crowds, do you? That was a pearl. Is this making some sense? I feel like it's really hard to apply this passage as well as I want to. I'm just really depending on the Lord. And maybe you're saying, I don't know if I have a pearl. Cry out to God. You have a pearl if you're saved. 
the, the basis of the pearl of great price is your salvation paid for by Jesus. You have a pearl. But you say, Lord, I want more of what he's talking about. Well, then call out to him. Call out to him. Call out to him. Say, God, I want more experience with you. One of my favorite preachers of all time was David Martin Lloyd-Jones, English preacher who died, I think, in 1981. And for 30 years, he was the uh, pastor of uh, Westminster Chapel in London. And I've read a bunch of his stuff and over the years. He he's probably is my all-time favorite person, D. Martin Lloyd-Jones. And his book on the Sermon on the Mount is amazing. And in this passage, he raised a question. He wrote it earlier in his career, but he raised a question that he couldn't answer. He said, but I just raised it as a question. It's just going to mess with your head a little bit. He said, when it comes to the pearl of great price, he said, I sometimes even question the indiscriminate broadcasting of Scripture, like on a bumper sticker or on a sign. He said, I just question it. I don't, he said, I don't know if this is the right answer or not. Or I don't, he said, I don't know the answer to it. But he said, I wonder if we have invited as many or more people to blaspheme God when they saw that as we have to come to him, because there is no context. There is no relational context in which to bring that. And he quotes the Ethiopian eunuch, and Philip came upon him, and he was reading the scripture, and he said, how can I understand that unless someone explains it to me? And Philip got up into that chariot, and there was context, and there was a relationship, and he explained it, and he was saved, and he was baptized at that very moment. I'm not saying go peel your bumper stickers off. If you like bumper stickers, go ahead. I don't have one just because I'm a terrible driver. I don't care about other people on the freeway. It would be a terrible witness for me to have a Jesus bumper sticker on my truck. But I'm just saying, let's think about this. Let's think about the pearl that God has given us and the best ways to share it in the right context. So that's all I got. So uh, we could either go right now or we could sing a song and then go. Or we could just open it up and see what's on your heart, what God is saying to you. Because I don't have a plan. Because I never do. Does anybody have a word from the Lord? Let's just start there and see what's happening. Does anybody have a stirring from God? Dave. He says, thank you. And that's the way to give a word. This is what I heard. There's no big explanation. He says, I just heard we receive not because we ask not. Yes, I can't see who you are in the back, but please speak loudly. I just heard thank you, brother. I didn't hear the rest of what you said. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We prayed for you. I see who you are now. Huh. The one with the heart transplant. Okay, thank God. Praise the Lord. Yeah, wonderful. Praise the Lord. Give God a hand clap for that. That's good. And, <laughs> cool, man. Way to go, Mike. Yeah. Thank you. Yes, April? Thank you. And that's such a good example. Yeah. That's such a good example. It's casting it. Yeah, that's such a good example, April. Thank you so much. And also... You know that in talking about this, I'm not saying we shouldn't be bold in our witness. You know that, right? I'm not saying, oh boy, now we never have to come out of the closet, so to speak, as a Christian. I'm not saying that at all. I think we should spend lots of time in the closet and then come out and 
be with and be all about it. But I'm just saying, this is an invitation, really a command from Jesus to be discerning about it. Yes. Yeah, yeah. It's what we want, right? It's what we want. So, Lord, thank you for this time together. I thank you for this church. I thank you for these people. Lord, you teach us well. We appreciate the move of your Holy Spirit, and it's your teaching that we want. It's your word. We'll say the words, but you have to bring the word, Lord. And so I just thank you for these men and women who are here. And I know their hearts are authentic and they're open to you. And um, I just pray now the power of the Holy Spirit to come and cause us to embrace this teaching in a way that doesn't make us judgmental or hoping that somebody fits into one of these categories, Lord, but that, but that we're, free to, we're free to hold in the pearl, Lord, so that we use it the way you want us to. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for every person here. Pray the power of the Holy Spirit to heal our sick, to counsel our troubled, feed our hungry, visit our lonely. Come now in the power of the Holy Spirit. Make this the church you want it to be in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Have a great week.